Church, church, come on, everybody up on your feet. Are you ready to worship this morning? If you are watching online, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let's rejoice and be glad in it. Come on, somebody, open up your mouth and sing up a praise. Here we go. You made the blind man see. Hey. You made the lame man walk again. You caused the dead to rise. And that's why we dance in liberty Cause you're doing it all again Hey! Oh, 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 Cause you're doing it all again
is the same God that's healing right now. The same God that delivered you the last time. He can do it again. Look at somebody and say, he's doing it again. We've seen you move mountains. And I believe that you can do it again. what we need you to do, God. Sanctify our hearts, Lord. Come on, lift your hands if you need him to do that for you today. Sanctify your hearts, Lord. Yes. Oh, Lord, we need you. Thank you, Jesus. We need you today, Father. We need to see you. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Lord, and we're desperate for you. Now let your glory settle here. Let it settle here. Come on, say, purify our hearts, Lord. Purify our hearts, Lord. Come on, sing that out with us today. Purify our hearts, Lord. Come on and sanctify your hearts, Lord. Sanctify our hearts, Lord. Oh God, that's what we need you to do today. Yeah. Sanctify our hearts, Lord. Come on, say, oh Lord, we need you. Oh Lord, we need you. Oh Father, we need to see you. To see you, one day we're desperate for you. Yeah. We're desperate for you. Now let your glory, now let your glory settle here. Oh God, we need you to settle, settle here. Oh Father, while we're in the sanctuary, we need you to settle here. Hallelujah. Oh God, that's what we want you to do today. 
God because we know that if your glory falls we can't leave here the same way that we came we need your presence today we need your presence today oh God we need you 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 oh God we need you today we need your power and anointing love here we go settle down Wait around. That's what we need you to do this morning. Oh God, settle down. That's right. Sing through your weight around. Through your weight around. Oh God, we need you to settle down. Settle down.
Can I get my mic on, please? Glory to God. The psalmist said that our God sits enthroned in the praises of his people. That means when our worship rises to heaven, God chooses to abide. He chooses to sit enthroned and settle in our praise and our worship. And our, when our worship goes up, the promise we have from God is that his glory, his glory comes down. The word in Hebrew for glory is weight or substance, it's kabod, meaning this morning the weightiness of God. The substance of God is in this place this morning to meet every single need. So if you're here this morning, without hesitation or reservation, Pastor Wendy and I want to invite you. We want to take a moment to pray with you, to believe and agree with you this morning that whatever you're trusting God for, whatever has been a, a hindrance, whatever has been a stumbling block for you this morning in the presence of God, as he takes his seat and as he settles here, he will visit you, your situation, your problem, your need, your anxiety, your worry with his power and his presence. So Father, as your people come, Father, we trust you now to meet each one at the point of their need. Father, some need a breakthrough in their health. Father, some need a breakthrough in their marriage and family. Father, this morning, some just need a breakthrough in terms of knowing what to do now and what to do next. Father, I thank you that in your presence there is fullness of joy and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So as your people come, as we draw near to the altar, Father, we thank you that your presence will meet us here and meet each one at the point of their need. Lord, would you settle here? Would you settle upon your people? Would you take your seat right now in this place, God, and be glorified in everything that we say? and in everything that we do this morning. As your people come, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. You guys continue to play. The team can come back and sing. LaTanya, softly, as we minister. Thank you, Lord.
the Spirit of the Lord is here. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. You can be free today. You can be free today. Dwell. Make this your dwelling place. 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 Make this your d
nobody greater than you. See, I searched all over, couldn't find nobody. Looked high and low, still couldn't find nobody. Nobody greater, nobody greater, no. Nobody greater than you. Searched all over, couldn't find nobody. Looked high and low, still couldn't find nobody. Nobody greater, nobody greater, nobody greater than you. Nobody can heal like you can. Oh, most holy one, you are the great I am. Awesome in all your ways, and mighty is your hand. You are He who carried out redemption's plan.
Nobody, nobody. I don't know about y'all, but I've tried some things. And when I've tried everything and everything failed, I tried Jesus. And there was nobody greater than him. Come on, say, do I, can I get a testimony in here? Anybody got a testimony? I think that's my fault that y'all can't hear me. Come on, somebody. I searched all over. I looked high and low. Still couldn't find nobody. Nobody greater. Come on, somebody. I don't know about y'all, but if, if you start playing some organ, come on, I, I, I might get a little undignified this morning. David said it this way. Uh, hold, 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 hold on one second, hold on, hold on one second. Yeah, yeah, just be ready, stay on ready, stay on ready. So, so, so listen, listen. David and the Israelites were bringing the ark. No, no, give me a little something under there. Give me a little something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There it is. Y'all hear that? David and the Israelites were bringing the ark of the covenant back to the house of God. And David, who was the king of Israel, danced before the Lord. He danced before the Ark of the Covenant because the Ark of the Covenant represented God, not just his abiding presence, but his Shekinah, his manifest presence among his people. David's wife, the wife of the king, said to David, why are you gonna make a fool of yourself in front of all God's people? You're royalty, you're the king, put your clothes back on and act like you got some sense, David. David, the king of Israel, remembered all that God had done for him. He remembered that this was the same God who delivered him from the lion and the bear. He remembered that this was the same God who delivered him from the hand of the Philistines. And David said, I will be more undignified than this because there's nobody greater, no God greater. You can search high, you can search low, and you will not find a God greater than our God. Ooh, I gotta behave myself, hey! Y'all sit down, y'all sit down, y'all sit down. Y'all need to stop, y'all need to stop. Glory to God. Listen to me, listen to me. God revealed himself in the Old Covenant as El Elyon, the Most High God, the Most High God. None above Him, none before Him, none beside Him, none like Him. And so sometimes we just got to shake off our dignity. Listen to me, if you would stop long enough and consider how good your God has been to you, Listen, not just from dangers seen. I'm talking about how God protected and preserved you from dangers unseen that you didn't even know about when you got out your bed this morning, when you drove to this place, that the mere fact that the same God sustained you 
when you laid your head on your pillow last night and watched over you and kept you and sustained you when you woke up this morning. Sometimes, sometimes gratitude, sometimes when you're truly grateful, when you're truly thankful. I ain't talking about people who think they did it all by themselves. Those people don't understand gratitude. I'm talking about people who recognize that if it had not been for the Lord. I'm talking about the people in this room who recognize that you are and I am what we are. Listen to me, by the grace of God and the grace of God alone. Sometimes you need to find a place and you need to find a space where you can be undignified in your worship and in your gratitude. Because if it had not, listen to me, if it had not been for the Lord on your side, So Father, we thank you this morning for your presence in this place. Lord, I pray that our gratitude, our thanksgiving, the sacrifice of praise would rise up to you this morning as a sweet-smelling savor. Just our gratitude expressed in our worship to say thank you for the things we often take for granted the things we even take credit for. Not recognizing that all of it, all of it, all of it came because of your grace, because of your favor and your kindness. Father, would you help us? Would you break that sense of entitlement that so many of us have. Well, I deserve it. Well, I work for it. Nah, you, you wouldn't have been able to do it if it hadn't been for his grace upon your life. The one who gave you soundness of mind, the activity of your limbs, the one who gave you the opportunities, the one who gave you the acumen and the ability. Father, this morning we stopped long enough to say thank you and to acknowledge that you did it and you chose to do it through us and you chose to do it for us. Father, thank you for all that you've done. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen and amen. Listen, y'all, I don't know about you, but we can go home right now. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. Listen, uh, we're going to uh, change our liturgy uh, slightly. Uh, this is typically when we have our uh, live announcement, Converge News. I'm just going to go into the Word. And Andrea, if you would, remind me uh, that you will come up at the end and, uh, and cover some of our upcoming events, things that people need to know and be aware of. Didn't I just bless you this morning? Whew, I don't know about you. I needed that. Uh, uh, the scripture says, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons and daughters of God. And the God we serve at times can be disruptive. I encourage you to make room in your life for the disruptions of God, the interruptions of God. I've said it before, blessed are the flexible, for they shall bend and not break. And sometimes you and I need to be pliable in the hands of God. 
so that we can be led by the Spirit of God. And in yielding to the Spirit of God, God moves us from where we are to where we ought to be. He moves us from what must happen now to what must happen next. And so in this season in our church, I encourage you in your life personally, and I've, I've challenged our church, that faith is about obeying the illogical instruction. That sometimes, uh, in obedience to God, understanding can wait, but obedience can't. My encouragement to you is, in your own life personally, be sensitive to the illogical instruction. Because on the other side of your illogical instruction is the thing that you've been trusting God for. Simple, listen to me, simple steps of obedience. Somebody needs to hear this now. Simple steps of obedience will cause you to intersect the plan, the purpose, and the promises of God. It requires your obedience, sometimes to illogical instructions. Jesus is at a wedding party and they run out of wine and Jesus says, fill the pots with water. Illogical instruction. There's a woman who's about to make her last meal, the widow of Zarephath, and God says, feed the prophet first and you'll never run out. There are things that God might be speaking to you now that make absolutely no sense logically, but it requires faith. And in our obedience to God, everything that you see around you, this notable miracle that God did for us was one simple step of obedience after the next. And I believe that God wants to encourage somebody this morning with that simple word of exhortation. Amen? Praise the Lord. We're going to dive into the word now. Uh, I'm going to continue where we left off last week. Uh, this is chosen week number six, chosen week number six, and we're discovering uh, what it looks like to follow Jesus. Last week, I did a message called The Dust of the Rabbi. The Jews had this blessing, and forgive me, I'm wrestling with allergies, so if you hear some weird sounds coming from the stage, please forgive me. I'm not deliberately trying to be rude or crude or crass, amen? Y'all pray for your pastor, because I've been dealing with massive congestion the last couple of days. Chosen week number six. We talked about the dust of the rabbi. The Jews had this greeting, especially among disciples, and they would say one to the other, may you be covered with the dust of your rabbi which simply meant you were to walk in such close proximity to your rabbi that you would be covered with the dust from his sandals. Uh, uh, Paul echoes this same sentiment when he says, follow me as I follow Christ. The idea of being chosen for us uh, starts with, first of all, that God, here it is, God created you. Come on. He created you. He called you. He chose you. And I'll explain some of that as we get into the word. But as we do that, let's look at our anchor text. Our anchor text is lifted from Mark chapter number 3, beginning at verse number 13. Familiar passage of scripture if you've been with us over the last couple of weeks. Uh, the scripture says, <clears throat> beginning at verse number uh, 13, And he, Jesus, went up to the mountain and called to him those he himself wanted. Isn't that some cool? Just to know that God wants you. You ever go out uh, to the playground and, and you're playing some pickup basketball and, and you had to pick teams? Uh, isn't it a good feeling to be picked first? Come on, I think we all at some point in our lives dreaded being picked last. 
<laughs> you know, interesting thing I found was, was this year, the NBA All-Star Game, even though they had two captains, LeBron and, 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 and Giannis, uh, they went to that same format. And I, as I was sitting there, I could see in the body language all these players who had already been selected to play in the All-Star Game. How nervous they were and how uncomfortable they were because they didn't know who would get picked first and who would get picked last or who would get picked in between. That even though they're being paid millions of dollars and they have been voted into the all-star game, there's something about all of us that wants to know that somebody wants me. Are you listening to what I'm saying? And the scripture says Jesus called them to himself, those he himself wanted. Oh my goodness. What a feeling to know that you're wanted by God. Accepted in the beloved. That God loves you just the way you are. Like John Legend said, with all your curves and all your edges. All your perfect imperfections. He called those he himself wanted. And the scripture says, and they came to him. Then he appointed 12 that they might be with him. We talked about that extensively last week. What it means to be with him. We said there are four things that matter in this text. That intimacy produces... Just escape me. Lord Jesus. No. Intimacy produces identity. That when we are intimate with God, God reveals our identity to us. When we understand our identity, then we're able to walk in integrity. That word integrity speaks of more than just being an honest, trustworthy person. It speaks of wholeness, nothing missing, nothing broken, nothing lacking. It derives from the word integer. When, I, when I'm intimate with God and I cultivate intimacy with God, what I will discover is my identity in God. And from my identity in God, I can live with integrity and wholeness. And from that place of wholeness, God then calls me to live a life of influence where I am impacting others. In that order, intimacy with God, identity in God, integrity, and then influence. Why does this matter? Because as we examine the text, Jesus is very intentional and very deliberate. And he says to these 12 men, before you go out and do anything on my behalf, before you go out and do anything in my name, you must first be with me. Isn't it the worst feeling to know that somebody misrepresented you? Somebody you chose to speak or act on your behalf misrepresented you. And Jesus is saying, before you try to represent me to culture and to this world, make sure you've spent enough time with me that you're now covered with the dust of your rabbi. When I move, you move just like that. Come on, somebody got it right there. Are y'all with me? <clears throat> now we're going to move to the second part of what Jesus does in the text. Because after they have been with him for three and a half years, after they have apprenticed with him, then Jesus says, I'm going to send you out to preach and to have power. 
The Greek word there is dunamis, dynamic explosive power, where we get the word dynamite. That you might have power to heal sicknesses and to cast out demons. If I had to choose a title for this morning's message, it would simply be this, Occupy Until I Come. And that's not just a catchy sermon title, it's actual scripture. Because in Luke chapter 19 and verse 13, Jesus tells this story, this parable. He's using uh, relevant uh, imagery and metaphors to, to communicate a deeply profound spiritual truth. So in Luke chapter 19, Jesus tells this story uh, of this, this master who was leaving for a long time. He gave to each of his servants certain talents and he says to them, occupy until I come. One translation says, do business until I come. I'm going somewhere with this, and I pray that you will be encouraged and empowered by what God will say uh, to you this morning. So we say it here often at Converge Church that we ought to understand the plan, follow the pattern, receive the promise. Are y'all with me? If you understand that God has a plan and you follow the pattern in Scripture, you will receive his promise. May I submit to you that you and I exist for more than just waking up and going to bed and pushing repeat. You and I exist in the earth so that God can fulfill and accomplish his plan and purpose, not only in you, but through you. The reason he says to the disciples, be with me, is because he wants to send them out to occupy until he comes. Okay, let me tell you what that means. Here's the pattern in scripture, and it goes all the way back to Genesis chapter number one. Genesis chapter one, verses 27 and 28 and 30. The scripture says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Notice the pattern. The first thing God does is he establishes their identity, and their identity is in him that they are image bearers of God, imago Dei. Verse 28 says, then God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. How many of you realize that you're already blessed? Uh, let me try that again. How many realize that you're already blessed? God doesn't ask us to do something that he hasn't already empowered us to do. Notice that God blessed them and then he said to them, now go be fruitful and multiply. God has an expectation of you and me that with everything he has blessed us, the expectation is that the seed that he has deposited in us, we will recognize, we will discover, we will develop, and we will deploy. Are you listening to what I'm saying this morning? There is a seed of greatness in each of us that we must first of all discover. We must recognize that it exists, that God, when he created me, entrusted something to me that I am supposed to discover, that I am second supposed to develop, and third, deploy. Because everything God gives us, he gives to us in seed form. He doesn't give it to us fully developed. Our responsibility is to identify and recognize and discover that it exists. 
After I discover what God has entrusted to me, my responsibility of the, of the stewardship of the gift God has given to me is to develop it so that I can deploy it. My question this morning is, have you really honestly, truly uh, discovered what God has entrusted to you? And what God has, listen to me, created you, called you, and chosen for you to accomplish in the earth? I'm talking about beyond your career. I'm talking about more than the choices that we make just because they pay the bills. I'm talking about discovery and recognizing that maybe God's created me for something greater. And I haven't even tapped into it. Listen to me, most people go through life with a dream, never step into their purpose. And one of the things God wants us to understand is that you and I exist in the earth. The reason you and I were given another day is because there's something he still wants you and I to accomplish in the earth on our behalf, on his behalf. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Okay. The scripture says God blessed them and then he said, be fruitful and multiply. Meaning, God has already given you what you need to be fruitful. And in that, God communicates his expectation. That now that I've blessed you, my expectation is that you're going to be fruitful. No, no, no. God expects a return on his investment. I don't know how many of you take your money and give it to an investor, and 10 years later, he gives you back exactly what you gave him. God don't play that. Look no further than the parable of the talents. God gives one five. He gives one two. He gives one one. When he shows up, the guy who he gave five had done what to it? He had multiplied it. He had doubled it. Come on, somebody. Then he goes to the guy who he gave two. He had two, multiplied it, and God's like, man, thumbs up. The guy who had one talent. If you read the story, he was the one who talked the most. Because it is pattern, it's the pattern of humanity that the ones who do the least talk the most and make the most excuses. And just in case you were wondering, guess what God does? He takes the, the talent from the one who did nothing with it and gave it to the guy who already had 10. So one guy's got nothing and one guy's got 11. You know why? Because they're good stewards of what God entrusted them. And God expects a return on, ev listen to me, on everything he entrusts to you. Every gift, every talent, your time, your talent, and your treasure, he's going to place a demand and ask for a return. And his expectation that is that you will use your life to be fruitful and to multiply. Okay. <laughs> Notice what he says next. He says, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. Notice what it says next. Subdue it. 
That word subdue means to overcome it. It means to quieten the earth. It means to bring under control or bring under subjection. The next thing he says is, I want you to have dominion in the earth. Now notice God's original plan for man is his eternal plan for man. What God is saying to Adam and Eve is exactly what he's saying to us today. In fact, one of the reasons Jesus went to the cross is to restore everything that Adam and Eve lost. And by extension, and because of the finished work of the cross, what God is saying to us this morning is, everything Adam and Eve lost, I have restored. And his expectation of us is that we will be fruitful and multiply. That we will subdue the earth and have dominion in the earth. Now, let me tell you what the word dominion means. For some of you, it's like, man, Pastor Ray, that's a whole lot. Yeah, it is. But it's a beautiful thing. The word dominion means power, authority, to have jurisdiction. I want you to hear that now. Jurisdiction, to have control, to have command, to have sway. Dominion is also defined as the right to govern or to rule, or to determine a thing. So when God is telling Adam and Eve, and he's telling his church, I want you to subdue the earth, I want you to have dominion in the earth, he's saying, I have given you a jurisdiction where I want you to execute my will in the earth. And most of us only complain about what we see instead of leaning into the power and the authority God has given us to fix what we see. Are y'all with me? I just want to make sure that y'all with me. Listen, we, we're taking this thing now, our understanding to a whole other level. Because Jesus said it this way in the Great Commission, and it's part of the Great Commission we miss. This is what Jesus said. He said, all power in heaven and earth has been given to me, and now I give it to you. Listen to me. All power in heaven and on earth has been given to me, and now I give it to my church so that they can occupy until I come. To have dominion in the earth and exercise God's authority and jurisdiction in the earth. It's so much more than just going to a job, clocking in and clocking out, coming to church, clocking. God wants for us to determine what happens in culture. Okay. Okay, we're we, we going to get there in a second. So I shared this with you. I shared this with you, I think, on week one. But as I was preparing for this message, I felt the Lord prompt me to get back to it. Because in 1975, Bill Bright, the founder of Campus Crusade, and Lauren Cunningham, the founder of Youth with a Mission, had lunch together in Colorado. Separately, the night before, God gave both of these men dreams. And the dreams were identical. So Bill Bright has a dream the night before. Lauren Cunningham has a dream the night before. They both meet for lunch, and this is what God spoke to both of them. He says, the culture is shaped by seven mind molders or mountains in society. If the church can influence each of these areas for Christ, we will win the culture of our nation. So what are we supposed to be doing? We're supposed to be doing more than just going to church. We're supposed to be influencing culture. Amen. We're supposed to be more than just a thermometer. We're supposed to be the thermostat. 
We're supposed to do more than just respond to what culture is doing. We're supposed to set the temperature of what happens in culture. We're not supposed to be reactive. We are supposed to dictate what happens in culture. And what we hear the church do is complain, complain, and complain about how the world has fallen apart, and we're doing nothing with the divine authority that God has given us to affect culture. In these seven critical areas, yet Jesus said to his church, occupy until I come. And that's what God's calling us to do as a church. Here are the seven, seven mountains that God showed Bill Bright and Lauren Cunningham. The seven mountains of cultural transformation where the church is supposed to be shifting culture. Number one, in religion, what people believe. Number two, family. At, listen to me, as goes the family, so goes culture. If we're not getting family right, we can't expect culture to be right. And what we try to do is export something to culture that hasn't passed QC at home. Let me tell you what QC is. It's quality control. And we're trying to export faith and Christianity, and it's not even working at the crib. And until the church, until we get family right, we have no chance in influencing culture. And that's why when God gave Adam the mandate, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth, fill the earth, he was saying, fill the earth with more like you. My question is, do you really want to live with somebody like you? No, I'm I'm serious. Do you want to reproduce more like you? It starts with the family. We ought to raise champions in the home that influence culture. Most of us don't realize that when Daniel, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were taken into exile in Babylon, they were teenagers. Most of us don't realize that Mary, the mother of Jesus, was a teenager. David was a teenager. Joseph was a teenager. And God, listen to me, listen to me. God wants to use our sons and daughters to affect culture. If we will create environments in the home where they can be, not just, listen to me, most of our children spend hours a day on TikTok to listen to influencers. Somebody putting on makeup and got millions of followers because they're teaching them how to put on makeup and the church has very little representation. He said, occupy until I come. Come on, somebody. The third, listen to me, the third, the third cultural mountain that God wants the church to influence is business. Is business. God wants us to create. He wants us to multiply. He wants us to be fruitful in the area of business. I took a young man out to breakfast after Fight Club yesterday. And as we were sitting there talking, I I could just tell, man, that the hand of the Lord is on this young man. And he didn't realize 
I don't think he even realized, because as we were talking, he was just talking about how he was thinking about moving from two jobs to another job, one job that would pay him enough so he didn't have to work two jobs. And I looked him in the eye. And I said, God is going to give you an idea that is going to, I don't know what it is. But as I was talking to him, the Lord reminded me, remember when we went to Cayman Islands? I went to the Cayman Islands and, and, and rented uh, or, or we, we hired a cab driver. Took us all around the island. He took us to, to, to the last stop was all the, 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 the nicest homes on the island. Multi-million dollar homes. And then he stopped and showed us one home. He said, you know who owns that home? He said, it's the guy who invented post-it notes. And as I was talking to this young man, that's the thing that kept coming to my mind. That God would give him, give him an idea that would be so simple, yet it would go around the world. Listen to me, it doesn't have to be complicated. That thing is just a piece of paper with some glue on it that you can attach to something multiple times. And somebody is sitting in the Cayman Islands on hundreds of millions of dollars. I know, that's what I'm saying. Listen to me. Every time I pray for our church, one of my prayers is that God will raise up men and women who will subdue and take dominion in the marketplace. The world's problem is not poverty. The world's problem is distribution. Because most of the world's wealth is held in the hands of very few people. When you and I understand our mandate to occupy until he comes, what God will do is he'll give you wisdom to go in and access so that you can redistribute. Y'all looking like y'all don't believe this. Dominion. Several years ago, I was watching a John Maxwell. He was speaking at a conference, and uh, this is what he said. He was talking about sort of this last leg of his life, and he said, the way I pray has changed. Most people don't know this, but John Maxwell was a pastor for years at Skyline Wesleyan Church. At the time, it was one of the fastest-growing churches in America. Uh, the church was in San Diego. But God called him. Listen to me. I'm talking to somebody this morning. For those of us who think the only way God can use us is in the pulpit. God has done more through John Maxwell's life and ministry as a leadership coach than he ever would have done as a pastor at Skyline. For those of us who think that the only way God can use me is in the pulpit, no. God wants, he wants people on all seven of these mountains so that we can influence culture. Instead of complaining about it, we need to set the tone. In order for us to set the tone, we have to be in those environments. And not only be in those environments, we have to be exceptional in those environments. That's why the scripture says, everything that was done in Potiphar's house, Joseph was the doer of it. Everything that happened in the prison, Joseph was the doer of it. Unfortunately, most of us as Christ followers have settled for mediocrity. When God places us strategically, 
strategically in these spaces, in these environments, not just for us to participate, but for us to set the tone for what happens, for us to subdue and take dominion. There's more that God wants to do in and through you. And God wants his people deployed in all these spheres of influence, business, the marketplace. The fourth mountain is government. The fifth mountain is media. Sixth mountain is the arts. The seventh mountain is entertainment. When you think about all the stuff that's pushing back against the culture of Christ, all the things we complain about, arts and entertainment, that's where God wants his people so that we can make a difference there. So I'm gonna close here with this. I want you to catch this because I'm gonna go fast. What is the process? What is the process of God? Number one, the first thing you have to recognize is God wants and expects your productivity. Be productive. Be fruitful. When people put things in your hand, does it multiply? Does it increase? In fact, my reward in life is determined by the problems I choose to solve. And if you can change the problems you solve, it will change your reward in life. Be a problem solver. Be a problem solver on your job. Y'all know this, I was bivocational for a couple of years uh, up until the pandemic, working in IT. And even though I worked in IT, I wasn't technically proficient. My thing that I did in IT was business relationship management. And even though I worked in business relationship management and had never had any interaction with the CIO, the chief information officer, when everybody was getting laid off. I only been there a couple months. All these people who had more seniority were being laid off. And one day I was walking from my cubicle, the CIO comes to me and he says, hey man, why don't you uh, ride down the elevator with me? I want to talk to you about something. And on the ride down, this is what he says. He says, Ray, we need more people like you around here. I had never had one interaction with him ever before. But you know why? It was the influence and the productivity and the fruitfulness that I was having, not only with my coworkers, but with the three organizations that reported to me in business relationship management. I'm talking about wherever you go, wherever the soles of your feet tread, recognize that God has called you to subdue and take dominion for his glory. Okay? So be fruitful. Notice what Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 23 says. He says, in all labor, in all labor there is profit, but idle chatter leads only to poverty. Don't talk about it, be about it. In fact, if we go back to the pattern of God, remember I said God's original plan for man is his eternal plan for man? When God puts Adam in the garden, what does he say? He says to him, tend the garden and keep it. He gave him two responsibilities. The first responsibility was to tend to the garden. He was supposed to cultivate the garden. He was supposed to take care of the garden and steward the garden. And the second thing, he was supposed to protect it. The word that's used there to guard, it means to guard. Long before... Uh, uh, Satan even showed up in Genesis chapter 3. God had already told Adam, there's an enemy out there. So protect the garden and cultivate it. 
What are you cultivating right now? What's in your hand that God has entrusted to you that you're cultivating? That God gave you as a seed that you have now multiplied into so much more. Because everything that God will give you, he will give you in seed form. You have to develop it so that you can deploy it. There's a curious verse of scripture in Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 23. This is what it says. It says, much, brat, much food is in the fallow ground of the poor. What does that mean? Much food is in the fallow ground of the poor. Fallow ground means uncultivated ground. What he's saying is, all the bread that the poor man needs is in the ground he hasn't cultivated. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Much bread is in the fallow ground of the poor. Jesus told the disciples to first be with him and then told them to go and have dominion. Uh, he wants us to be productive. Number two, God wants us to be profitable. That's not a bad word. That's not a dirty word. And this is the equation for profit, or this is how we multiply. It is our work plus time that will produce our return. Work plus time equals return. Notice Isaiah chapter 48 and verse 17. It says, thus saith the Lord, Isaiah 48, 17, thus saith the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord your God, here it is, who teaches you to profit, who leads you by the way you should go, meaning God doesn't want you to just go through the motions, just work, 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 and have nothing to show. Everything you do, he wants it to be fruitful, and he wants it to multiply, and he wants it to be profitable because that's how we take dominion in the earth. Few of you are enthusiastic about that. But that is the will of God for your life. Dominion dominion. All right. I told you I was about to close, right? Here's why that's important. It's important because we vacillate between two opposing systems. It's important for you to understand this. Two opposing systems. It is the kingdom of heaven and the kingdoms of this world. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4, the scripture calls Satan the God of this world. It literally translates to the God of this world system. There are systems that exist in the world that are contrary to God's system. And for those of us who are in the kingdom, we need to subscribe to the system of God. Five facts about the kingdom of heaven that we'll, I'll leave you with. Number one, we are in this world, but not of this world. So we are not just limited to what happens in this world system. We subscribe to a higher agenda. And that is the agenda of God. Listen to me. You and I are not limited by what culture dictates. When the United States government sends an ambassador to, to another country, the entire embassy, the grounds of the embassy are under U.S. jurisdiction. The U.S. Embassy in Liberia, the Liberia government has no jurisdiction over that embassy. And the same is true for your life. The kingdom that has jurisdiction over your life is the kingdom of heaven, not the kingdoms of this world. We need to start thinking and living that way and rise above. I'm in this world, but I'm not of it. 
So I exercise kingdom influence and dominion in the earth. Number two, world systems are created by people with an agenda, but the kingdom system is designed for your benefit and for your profit. Number three is important. We become, listen to me, we become what the system we subscribe to dictates. You become what the system you subscribe to dictates. And you don't have to raise your hand, but the truth is, is we, if we look at the evidence of our lives, there's one kingdom that has a greater gravitational pull on our lives and we can see the evidence and the fruit of it. Is my life truly submitted to God? Or is my life being influenced by what is acceptable and popular in culture? Because the truth is, you can't be powerful and popular simultaneously. I'm talking about the people that God's going to raise up in this church. He already is. He already is. I can't tell y'all business, but he already is. When I come to this church and pace the floor, the prayers I pray over this church are for God to raise up men and women who will influence and impact culture for his glory. And God wants you to be that one. Let me tell you why. The scripture says in 1 Chronicles 16, 9, listen to me, that the eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the whole earth looking for a man or woman who is loyal to him that he might show himself strong on their behalf. I want you to hear that again. Right now, the eyes of the Lord are going to and fro throughout the whole earth. He's looking for just one man. He's looking for just one woman who will show themselves loyal to him. And God says, if you show yourself loyal to me, I will show myself strong on your behalf. When I pace the floors, I pray that prayer that God, would you find a man a woman in this house whose heart is loyal toward you and would you show yourself strong on their behalf? Would you blow their mind? And I believe with all my heart that young man I had breakfast with yesterday is one of them. There's no reason at all I should be sitting down talking to this dude and God remind me of the post-it note. I saw it crystal clear. God's going to do it in this house for his glory. Did I say I was almost done? I, 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 I am. Most people, unfortunately, serve a system and an agenda that is not in their best interest. For a better life, listen to me, for a better life, the life that God has called us and created us to live, there's only one way out. We must trade systems. We must move from the cultural system to the system of the kingdom. And I promise you, this is my final close. Y'all ready for this? Final close. But we need to hear this. Here it is. In Luke chapter 13 and verse 20, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Luke chapter 13, verses 20 and 21, New Living Translation. Jesus says this. He also asked, what else is the kingdom of God like? So Jesus is teaching them about the kingdom. He's using natural illustrations to communicate deeply profound spiritual truths. He's talking about the kingdom. And he says, what else is the kingdom of God like? These are the words of Jesus, the words in red. He said, it is like the yeast a woman used in baking bread. 
even though she put only a little yeast in three measures of flour, it permeated every part of the dough. Somebody say it doesn't take a whole lot. Doesn't take a whole lot. What God wants to do in you and through you and for you, it doesn't take a whole lot. He said the kingdom of God is like that woman who just took a little bit of yeast. For those of you who bake in the house, you know that the yeast or the flour is always so much more than the yeast. But the effects of the yeast, are y'all with me? Cannot be denied. So as you leave this place this morning, this is what I want you to see your life. This is how I believe God wants you to see your life. As you begin to subdue and take dominion on these seven cultural mountains and in every area of your life. Here it is. I'm like the yeast this woman put in the dough. Number one, yeast is seemingly insignificant, yet it is never intimidated by the size of the dough. Let me tell you about the mindset shift you have to have. You have to go from thinking little old me, you have to be like David coming against Goliath. Goliath's much bigger than I am, but my God is big enough. That yeast is seemingly insignificant, but it is never intimidated by the size of the dough. What dream has God put in your heart? What assignment is God calling you to? How big is it? All God needs is a little bit of yeast to permeate the entire, the t entire dough. Number two, here's what I like, number two, yeast. Yeast works quietly, but its effects are undeniable. So maybe where God's calling you to next is not for you to be loud, but to move in silence. Let your life, your character and your conduct and your work, your output speak for you. Listen, people hire you for what you know, they fire you for who you are. They hire you for what they see on your resume. Hopefully it's true. That's what you know. But guess why they fire you? Because of who you are. And part of what God wants to do in our church is he probably won't give everybody their own business, their own, but for those of you who serve somebody else, God will work you up through the ranks. But it's your life and your conduct that's going to matter. Your life and your conduct must matter. God wants to bless you, but he really can't bless you if you do, you're always the last one to the job. And everybody around you knows that you have an issue with punctuality. And here's my favorite part. When we come in late with our Starbucks. Are y'all listening to what I'm saying? God wants to elevate you, but be exceptional right where you are. Number three. Hey, yeast never becomes the dough, which means don't allow your environment to dictate how you live or alter your convictions and your values. You be the difference. And number four, yeast is activated by heat and by pressure. Embrace adversity because God is developing character in you. Two quotes and I close. Helen Keller said it this way, character cannot be developed in ease and quiet, 
Only through experiences of trial and suffering can the soul be strengthened, vision cleared, ambition inspired, and success achieved. So don't be afraid of the pressure. Don't be afraid of the heat. Lean into it because just like yeast, it will develop something in you. And finally, Etienne de Grier. He said, I expect to pass through this world but once. Any good thing, therefore, that I can do or any kindness that I can show to any fellow creature, let me do it now. Let me not defer or neglect it, for I shall not pass this way again. Father, would you seal this word in our hearts? And would you help us elevate our thinking beyond what we do? beyond just the mundane. And God, would you help us recognize that when you called the disciples to yourself, it was so that they would be with you, but ultimately to send them out with influence, to impact culture. Father, I pray for Converge Church that our testimony would be as the testimony of the early church. These men and women who turned the world upside down have come here also. Let that be our testimony and our witness that everywhere we go, we are disruptive for good. Thank you, God, that everywhere you go, you're giving us divine solutions to complex problems just as you did Joseph. Father, I pray that you would enlarge our territory and expand our ability to dream and to create. That, God, we would not just be limited to what happens in the four walls of the church, but, God, you desire to deploy us in every strata of society, including these seven mountains of influence, religion, family, business, government, media, arts, and entertainment. God, in this house, would you raise your sons and daughters up even as you have already gifted them. In this season, God, would you help us recognize that we are the chosen and you chose us and called us and created us for such a time as this. That, God, we would be faithful to develop, to discover, to develop, and deploy the gifts that you have given us for your glory because you chose us for a purpose, not to be influenced by culture, but to be the ones who bring change to culture. I pray, God, that you would do that in each of our lives, that as we walk from this place, we will look at our family differently. We will look at our community differently. We will look at our jobs differently. We will look at our dreams differently. We will look at our efforts differently. We will look at our enterprise differently. We will see ourselves, God, as image bearers of God, called to influence and transform culture for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Everybody who believes and agrees said, Amen and amen. Okay, so Chuck, why don't you come? Chuck Smith, grab that mic on your way up. To that end, to that end, the more I pray for you guys, uh, my, uh, the Lord continues to, to help me see the kind of church that we're becoming. And uh, so one of the things that we're going to be doing uh, here at Converge uh, over the next few months, uh, because we believe that God has raised up winners in our church. Uh, so we're going to be launching what we call Converge Net. 
Converge Net is going to be a network of business leaders, entrepreneurs, uh, even people who are dreamers. It's going to be for everybody, right? So even if you're between jobs, if you want to change careers, uh, Converge Net is going to be available to you to help you grow to that next level. You have no idea. Listen to me. You have no idea who you sitting next to. Pastor Wendy and I know a little bit of it, but you have no idea who you're sitting next to and how this person or these persons could help you grow and go to your next level. Chuck is going to help us lead that initiative. Tell us about ConvergeNet. Yeah, we're really excited about ConvergeNet. And Pastor Ray, I went back and looked at some of the notes when we first talked about this, and it was 2018. Oh, wow. So we've been talking about this for a while, about having a, a portal or um, resource network for people who are already in business, people who want to get into business, um, uh, networking, mentoring for students, uh, people who are in career transition, um, people who are looking for a job. Uh, there are a lot of people in this place that own businesses. How many people in here are business owners? This is about show of hands. Look at that. And how many of us know that those people have businesses and how can we support their businesses? How Listen, can... we got at least five people that are HR executives in our church. For those of you who might be between jobs, looking for jobs, looking for, they're right here and they might be able to hook you up. It's a big deal. Right. Go ahead. Yeah, so what we're trying to do is create a network uh, to be able to be a resource because in the, in the big picture of things, it's all about kingdom business. Absolutely. And if we do well, the church does well. So we're excited about it. Uh, it's, it's in the development stages right now. You'll be hearing more later. Uh, we definitely like to use uh, folks in here as resources. My wife happens to be a HR executive as well. So uh, we want to work with you, Pastor, and uh, other leaders in, in the church to be a resource to help people uh, and give them opportunities to grow in business. Absolutely, absolutely. So look out for that. We're going to be announcing that soon, and it's going to be an incredible resource that will help us, not just in the market, but arts, entertainment, all seven of these mountains. Last thing I'm going to say, uh, stay up here with me, Chuck. Stay up here with me. Uh, last thing I'm going to say, last thing I'm going to say, uh, listen, we want to minister to the whole man. We want to minister spiritually, but we also want to minister uh, uh, materially, financially, but also physically. Also physically. So this has been something on the docket. Uh, uh, why don't you come, uh, Chastity? Uh, so so, so uh, 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 Chastity is going to help us uh, because, because uh, starting May 1st, starting May 1st, come on somebody, this is bold, this is audacious, and it's kind of selfish, uh, because on May 1st, we're launching what uh, we call, uh, you can grab that mic. Oh, there's a, we're launching what we call our thousand pound challenge. Come on somebody. So as a church, as a church, I'm going to be the first one to go. Your boy got to drop at least, anyway. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 for real, for real. My, my, my fighting weight, my, my fighting weight is right about, you know, 190 uh, I got at least COVID-19 right about here. Uh, so I got to, I got to, no, but it's, 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 uh, we're supposed to take care of the temple. And I can tell because of my inactivity and even the bad nutrition choices I'm making, it's slowing me down. Uh, I'm not my best for God. All right, you got to take care of the temple now. All right, can't just come and preach, right? Uh, uh, some of this stuff that we be praying about is stuff that we can fix with discipline. Are y'all with me? 
and so and so uh, Brooks and Chastity are both uh, fitness experts. And for me, let me I'm gonna put it out there. Can I go public with it? Do it. Your boy tried to lose at least 20, 15 to 20. Got you. Okay, so 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 yeah. So I'm gonna contribute 50 to 20 to our thousand pounds. Amen. So they're gonna they're developing a program. Uh, tell us quickly uh, what it is. Well, how, well, just tell us quickly, and then if they need more details, it starts May 1st. But tell us where they can contact you guys. All right, I'll start it off. Uh, so what's starting May 1st is kind of like a, a ramp up to the actual boot camp style workouts. They'll be here at Converge on Saturday mornings. Uh, what we're going to do is if you're interested, you can email us at TylerFamilyFitness at Gmail and uh, just get registered that way. That way we can include you in our uh, exclusive Facebook support group. Uh, encouragement, challenge, resources will all be located there. Uh, Chastity, do you want to tell them about some of those resources? Um, yes, so the boot camp will be on Saturday mornings at 8 a.m. And we will also be sharing a workout program. So you'll have something to do throughout the entire week, not just the one workout. And we'll also be sharing education for nutrition, how to find balance in your diet and meet your needs for your body. And we'll be supporting you with accountability throughout the week as well. Yeah, we, we do not believe in quick fixes crash diets, fad diets, and all that mess. This is long-term, sustainable, lifestyle education and support. So if you've tried all the mess, come try the best, you know what I'm saying? So legit, real food, you don't have to give anything up. I am not giving up for chocolate chip cookies, ever. We'll teach you how to fold that into your lifestyle and just encourage movement. This is for all fitness levels. If it's been years, decades, it doesn't matter. We really encourage you to come by, give it a try, just move. Just be in community, move with the church, and be an example. All righty, so uh, last thing I wanna say, uh, we got six weeks, I know it's not, a fad thing, but we got six weeks to lose a thousand pounds. Is that right? Yes, it's a, it's a jump start. So oh, we might start, not okay. lose the whole thousand pounds. It depends on how many people you know sign up. Sign up. But okay. this is a jump start. We'll keep the thousand pound challenge going for as long as we need to. Beyond that, the support group will continue, but the boot camps are for six weeks. The boot camps are for six weeks. They will happen here. We'll send out some more information. We invite you to participate as we prioritize our health. And then, Miss Andrea, why don't you come bless us out? And uh, you don't have to do any announcements, just bless us out. Okay. And uh, I guess, yeah, that's it. All righty. Everybody, please stand. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you. May the Lord grant you peace in all that you do this week. Have a great week, Converge Church. We love you. Amen. If you were impacted by today's worship experience, we'd love to hear from you. Maybe today's sermon is exactly what you needed to hear or you prayed the prayer of salvation for the first time. If so, we'd love to send you information on how to kickstart your relationship with God. Or if you'd like information about how to join our virtual family, email us at echurch at weareconverged.com. If you'd like to partner with us financially, you can do so online safely and securely at www.weareconverge.com forward slash give. You can also give via text. Simply text Converge Give and the dollar amount that you'd like to give to 77977. 
You can also find all of this information in our mobile app. Simply go to your app or Play Store, search for Converge Church Plano, and download the app. It's that simple. Again, thank you so much for joining us for today's worship experience, and we look forward to staying connected with you.